when we are growing in grace and giving in gratitude, then others will say, wait a minute, there's something different about them. It looks to me as if the grace of God was upon them all. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. If you have your Bible with you this morning, would you open please to Acts chapter 4? And as you're turning to Acts chapter 4, we're reading from verses 32 to the end of the chapter, and you'll find it on page 1697, page 1697 of the Church Bible. If you worship with us regularly, you will know we have been steadily working our way through the book of Acts on Sunday mornings over these last four Sundays together, and this morning we're coming to the end of chapter 4. Luke writes these words. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy person among them, And from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. Most of us, I think, would agree that it is often a lot of fun being around wee ones who are five and six and seven years old, and they have lots of questions. And in asking their questions, they are looking for clarification. They're seeking for an answer. And a few years ago, someone sent me a number of these questions, but they were questions contained within a prayer to God, and they came from children. And here is the first one. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I asked for was a puppy. I've never asked for anything before. You can look it up. Joyce. (laughs) Dear God, Is it true my father won't get into heaven if he uses his golf words in the house? (laughs) Anita. Anita, you need to talk to your dad, I think. And my final one this morning is not so much a question, but more a request. Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different summer camp this year. (laughs) And you can understand entirely why he has that request. Now, if you worship with us regularly, not only do you know we've been working our way through the book of Acts, but the last couple of Sundays we've been dealing with questions. And if you missed the last couple of weeks, if you go on to the church website, firstpressgreenville.org, on that main page, up in the top right-hand corner, is a tab, and it's called Media. And if you click on the Media tab, you'll get those studies for these last few weeks. Now, this morning we're coming to 
a passage in Scripture that is a little different from what we normally think of when we think of the book of Acts. Throughout the book of Acts, Luke, quite naturally, is writing about the work of the Holy Spirit. He began in chapter 2, as you know, by highlighting for us Pentecost. And what did that mean? And if you were with us a few weeks ago, I said that Pentecost was a game changer for all of history from that point on. Up to that point, the Holy Spirit had anointed an individual for a season, anointed them for a particular reason or a project. But at Pentecost, it followed almost immediately on the heels of Calvary. And the significance and the gravitas and the supernatural nature of what was accomplished at Calvary was then applied at Pentecost and applied in this sense. No longer were people simply expressing affection for God, but God Himself in the power and wonder of His Holy Spirit from Pentecost on began to indwell the heart and mind and soul of the Christian and it changed us forever and still does today. And today when an individual hears the gospel, is challenged by God about their sin, is overwhelmed by Him, by His love and His grace, and the opportunity for renewal and transformation at that point, when a person submits and surrenders their life to Christ, at that point, the Holy Spirit indwells them, and suddenly God becomes real. They now have an intimate, living relationship with Him, not just from a distance, but deep and profoundly as well. And after that, Luke focuses on individuals and events. But every now and again, and we noted it a couple of weeks ago, Luke provides us with what's called a summary paragraph. In other words, he's no longer focused on an individual, but he stands back and he gives us a summary of all that God is doing in the lives of those particular people. And that's exactly what's happening here in 432. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace, much grace was upon them all. Now, here's a question for you this morning. If someone in your place of work, your neighborhood, a good friend says to you, I've been thinking about going to church. I'm not quite sure what would make a good church home for myself and my family. What goes on at First Pres? What would you say? What would be the things that would summarize us? How would you characterize us? How would you lay out the kind of folks we are, the kind of church we are? What would you say? Well, let me give you one or two facts and figures this morning. Since January 2015, we have welcomed 421 new members. The age range goes from 12 years old to 87 years old. And the average age of new members is 39. Wouldn't it be nice to be 39 again? Wouldn't you enjoy that? And only half of you are laughing, and I know why. Because you're less than 39. 
average age of new members is 39. The average age of our total membership is 45. For those who don't worship with us regularly or are watching on television this morning, we have about 3,500 members at First Pres. The average age is 45. We think that's healthy. When you're attracting young families with youth and children, we think that's a good thing. Let me give you some additional stats. In the last 12 months, we have conducted 19 funerals, 16 weddings, 27 baptisms. The national figures for Presbyterian congregations across the country are a little different. In fact, the funerals are three times the baptism. So we're bucking the trend a little, and we think that's a healthy thing as well. In the last 12 months, our sextons have arranged rooms for meetings and events on 10,696 occasions. That's a lot of fold-down chairs and uh, fold-down tables and stacking chairs, isn't it? Over 10,500 in a 12-month period. That could be a group of 16 or 18 men meeting on a Thursday morning for a Bible study. It could be a Sunday morning when they have to prepare our sanctuary in other places where we meet across the building. Our kitchen staff have prepared and served 8,348 meals. That's a lot of grits. Don't you agree? That's a huge amount of meals. Now, there are only 365 days in the year. That's a lot of food. This is unquestionably a busy, vibrant, thriving congregation. We welcome between 1,300 and 1,600 to worship each Sunday, depending on the time of year. Christmas, Easter, January is probably our more popular, of course. In July, it dips a little. Our folks are on vacation. But that gives you a sense of how busy we are. But what if folks from the outside, new to Greenville, new to First Press, what would they say about us? Recently, I asked Claire, who looks after our new members, Claire, what are our new members saying about us? And she sent me, sent me several sheets with paragraphs and updates and so on, and so I highlighted some of them this morning. And this is what our new members are sensing and feeling when they begin to come around First Pres and are ready to make that step of commitment. This is what they say. From our first visit, we have felt so encouraged and thankful that God led us to First Pres. The sense of community we feel, along with the church's investment in its members and the spreading of God's word, are just a few of the reasons we love our church. We cannot wait to be married here later this year. Another one. First Pres has been such a blessing for both of us. Since day one, the message always brings me to tears. I've never had that happen before. We want to grow closer to God and each other and believe First Pres is the right place for us. Thank you. We feel comfortable yet challenged by the word as we attend services at First Pres. The scripture-based messages that are delivered with a real-life application have been a tremendous source of strength for me. A lady writes, my husband and I visited First Pres initially as a result of a concert. We stayed because of the spirit-filled and exceptionally gifted and personable staff. We have been involved in VBS, youth mission, Wednesday Advantage, Gospel Homecoming, Sunday School, Wit and Wisdom, and several ladies' Bible study groups. We've even visited the bookstore. 
We've been delighted with every new venture. The people are lovely and full of true heartfelt fellowship. We are glad when they say to us, let us go to the house of the Lord. The Lord drew us here and continues to confirm his presence in our church each Sunday. There is no question in my mind. We are in the midst of exciting days. God is at work in our midst. Could we say, and grace was upon them all? I'm not sure I'd want to go that far. But there's no question in my mind that God is at work. We see it in renewed music and arts. We see it in a thriving children's and youth ministry. We're having difficulty on Wednesday evening keeping up with the numbers who attend. We're seeing it in prayer. We're seeing it in a renewed focus on discipleship through community and transparency and accountability, through the relational dynamics, through the intergenerational engagement. And grace was upon them all. I think we have so much to be thankful for. And on Sunday mornings, there is a sense of thanksgiving, that we are a people growing in grace and in gratitude, thankful for all that God is doing. And remember earlier when I said, how would you describe us? And said we'd come back to that. Well, let me give you a sense of where we're going as a congregation in the next five, seven, ten years. For those of you who have been around a while, you're aware that about three and a half, four years ago, we started a new strategic plan. We were very excited by that. We began to implement the spiritual imperatives that were there. You've heard us talk about what are the things that define us, who is refining us, the work of the Holy Spirit, talking about controversial subjects from time to time, but also equipping us to engage with Christian principles and the messiness of our daily living, and you've heard us lay all of that out. But let me take it to another level. Because in the next five to seven years, certainly the next eight months, you're going to hear what our vision is for the next five to seven years in a way we haven't mentioned before. Because we're now at the point we're firmly convinced of laying a solid spiritual foundation that we're struggling for room, certainly downstairs on a Sunday morning and our attendance at 11 o'clock is significantly up. And we're having to look at our campus, look at a comprehensive review of our campus, and we will inevitably, I think, embark upon a building program and a capital campaign. And what will that mean? That will mean that you will hear in the next eight months from our session, our deacons, you'll hear from our First Press Foundation, our board of directors, and we'll be looking in detail at what does it mean when we embark prayerfully on a comprehensive campus plan. What will that look like? What will the timeline be like? What will the cost be? And I think you will be amazed to see where God is calling us. We are a remarkable congregation. There is no question in my mind about that. We are living in exciting days. And God is calling us to be, as we mentioned this time last year, a people whose dreams are greater than our memories. Next summer, we'll celebrate 170 years of being First Presbyterian on this corner in Greenville. It will become a remarkable celebration. And what I'm really looking forward to 
we give great thanks to God for all that he has done in the past. His faithfulness and the consistency of his love and grace upon us has been just spectacular. But now we're also looking to the future, asking, Father, where are you calling us? What does life look like in the next five to ten years for us? And as a Christian community in this place, we are going to celebrate week by week. We're going to worship. We're going to bring praise and adoration to him who means so much to us, who has transformed our lives and given us new hope and intimacy with himself. And all of that we celebrate. And practically, what does it mean? At the end of October each year, we have what we call Commitment Sunday, and it's coming. We're about to enter into our stewardship season. Now, if you're new to First Pres and you have no idea what I've been talking about when I talk about a stewardship season and Commitment Sunday, it means this, that as Christian people, we are committed to raising our children in a Christian environment. We believe it's important to apply Christian principles in the messiness and distraction in our daily living, in our place of work, and in our neighborhood. We believe it's important to stand for Christian principles graciously, yet firmly, whether we work in retail, or finance, or education, or medicine. Wherever we spend our working day, we are convinced that Christian principles matter day by day by day. We apply them, as we've said, raising our children in our married lives, the way we engage with our neighbors, certainly in our prayer life, and in our moral and spiritual standards. And all of that is a given. But we also apply them to one additional area that, quite honestly, none of us like talking about. And when we move into our stewardship season, you're going to hear us talking about our finances as a congregation. We've had a good year this past year. Our giving is up $700,000, and yet we didn't quite make our budget this year, but we're working hard to redress it for next year. So we're certainly heading in the right direction. And if you're sitting there and saying, Richard, I always like when you talk about God answering prayer, I'm thrilled when you talk about his majesty and his grace and his grandeur and what it means to engage with him, the intimacy he brings into my life. I'm always delighted when you do that. But honestly, when you talk about money, that just turns me off. Frankly, it turns me off as well. But as Christian people, we have to face it because we believe Christian principles are applicable to every area in our life. And for those of you who give and give regularly, please hear me when I say this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We could not be the church we are without you stepping up and saying, I'm committed to First Pres. I'm giving regularly. I want to make a difference. However, if you are here this morning and you do not give regularly, let me speak to you for a few moments. If you do not give regularly, in the next four to five weeks, let me give you a personal challenge, if I may. Begin to prayerfully say, Father, as we move into the latter part of September and into October, help me understand what it means to give and give regularly. 
If you are giving five or seven dollars on a Sunday morning, we're grateful for it. We're grateful for it, no question. But I wonder if that is your giving capacity. The scripture teaches this, both Old Testament and New, that as Christian people, we give 10% of our income. In other words, when we're doing our monthly budget, we look at our income, we take 10%, we put it to one side, and we give it week by week by week by week. Why? Because we believe that all that God has called us to hear makes a world of a difference in the lives of real people. We support over 90 agencies across the world. It's a remarkable thing. And if you're not giving regularly, you're tempted to think, well, Richard, I haven't really got into the habit. I know I ought to, but I, I just really haven't. Let me suggest this to you. National statistics for church giving tell us this, that the first step to regular giving is the hardest step. And let me encourage you this week, if you don't give regularly, phone up our finance office. Say to them, can you send me some information? They'll be glad to do that. And if you're tempted to say, Richard, if I really pushed it, I could maybe do kind of $25, $30 a week, I would be stretching out a little to do that. But hear me when I say this. If those who don't give regularly begin to give $25 and $30 a week, it would make the world of a difference to us. Because it's not just one or two families. It's hundreds. Hundreds. What a difference that would make. So please let me, as gently as I can, encourage you to step up. This passage tells us this, that they gave to those who were in need. Now, I know we no longer live in the first century. We live in a 21st century. Our culture, our giving patterns, the way we operate each day is different from the first century. But that doesn't mean we don't step up and fulfill our commitment. And what are you giving to? Let me suggest what you're giving to. By stepping up and saying, Richard, as we move towards Commitment Sunday, this is what I'm saying. I want to be part of a church who on a Sunday morning is going to take us into the Word of God. I want a church that would feed our souls, that would inspire us, that would tell us of the love and grace and goodness and mercy and kindness of God. I want to be excited by him. I want to see him at work. I want a church who is faithful to the scriptures. I want a church for whom prayer is important. I want a church for whom worship is, how often have we said it over the last few months, not so much an activity as a central part of our identity. I want a church who's going to stand on Christian principles and say to our culture, there is a better way than the moral and spiritual bankruptcy we often see. And you will do it with grace, yet do it firmly and talk of a better way of the transforming love of God of exposing others to the gospel, of teaching our children and our teens and our adults, what does it mean to live out our faith in the messiness of our daily living? That's the kind of church we are. That's who I trust and pray we will be for the next 170 years. And when we are there, 
When we lay out a vision, we hope to do what? State it simply, cast it convincingly, repeat it regularly, celebrate it systematically, but embrace it personally, because that's exactly what God calls us to do. He calls us to be Christian people day by day by day, and to do it with grace and gentleness, and say to the culture and society around us, of which there are so many good things, but so many things we disagree, and we can say there is another way, a better way, a Christ-centered way. Now, folks, that doesn't mean we always get it right, that doesn't mean we are perfect people. That doesn't mean we say to others, if only you would be like us. In fact, sometimes it's the opposite. We say, if only you would be like him. That's the point we're making. That's the point we're making. And when we get to that place, when we are growing in grace and giving in gratitude, then others will say, wait a minute. There's something different about them. It looks to me as if the grace of God was upon them all. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness and grace to us down through the years. And may the years ahead be as blessed as past years. Grant us, please, a passionate longing to be your people, to give and give graciously and generously because we believe you are at the heart of who we are. Father, enable us, please, to serve you in all the days to come. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Due to pre-scheduled NFL coverage, first and foremost, will not air Sunday, October 1st. Please join us the following week at 10.30 a.m. as we resume our regular schedule. Would you like to explore membership at First Presbyterian Church? Join us for a new member weekend and discover how we worship and live out our faith with each other and our community. The weekend consists of three sessions taking place on Friday evening, Saturday morning, and Sunday afternoon. You'll enjoy a meal with our senior pastor and other leaders. Learn what we believe and hear about our vision. Child care is available. Register today at firstpressgreenville.org.